Just a quick reminder, if you've been trying links that I've mentioned on any of these recent episodes of the show and they don't work, technology changes and some of the things we offer change. So what we've decided to do is put everything that's current over at photobizhelp.com forward slash links. And anything that isn't current probably won't work. So if you're having trouble with a link that doesn't work, that's probably why. Head on over to photobizhelp.com forward slash links. Or if you're following along at photobizhelp on Instagram, it's the link in the bio. This is the Photo Business Help Podcast, a resource for photographers of all levels from brand new to burnt out who believe that business growth starts with personal growth. I'm your host, Natalie Jennings. I created Jennings Photo back in 2010 and have been happily full-time since, but not without some mistakes along the way. Those lessons, plus what's really helped me thrive financially and personally are what I want to share with you so you can grow with your photo business too. You'll also hear stories from other photographers and industry folks, as well as my favorite ways to be more mindful and happier on this journey. I am jumping in here to let you know that this week's episodes are replays, replays of shows that were wildly popular in the past and have some really great information for you. Before we dive into today's episode, here are a few words from folks that support Photo Business Help. I've heard from a lot of people that the hardest part about starting an email list is understanding why and how to do it. The tech behind workflows, drip sequences, and segments can feel overwhelming if you're new, but it's pretty easy once you're shown the ropes. So I am reintroducing Grow Your List, this time as a self-paced course that you can go through on your own. It's only about 30 minutes total of content. It's all transcribed. There's workbooks and other PDF resources for you, as well as welcome sequence templates for you to get started. So in this course, you'll learn all about emails. You'll learn what a lead magnet does, and we'll decide which kind of lead magnet is right for you. You'll create your first freebie. You'll understand what a welcome sequence is and how it's used and set up your first segment. You'll make some plans around where you're going to share this stuff to get more folks opting in, downloading your freebie, and getting on your list. So if you are one of those folks that's just been putting off starting your email list, check out Grow Your List. I have a special 2022 offer. It's $22. Go to photobizhelp.com forward slash list, L-I-S-T, to join the course, get started on your email list, and get organized in 2022. So for $22, go to photobizhelp.com forward slash list, get started growing your email list, creating your lead magnet, setting up your welcome sequences, and growing a relationship with your audience. everyone. Welcome to the Photo Business Help Podcast. My name is Natalie Jennings, and I am bringing you another three-part series specifically designed to help beginner wedding photographers. This is going to cover things like gear, how to best prepare your clients for a successful day, and things that myself and my guest Jasmine can't live without. So I'd like to welcome Jasmine to the show, give you a chance, Jasmine, to introduce yourself and maybe say a little bit about your background and where people can find you on the internets. Well, thanks for having me, Natalie. Sure. My name is Jasmine. I have been shooting weddings for 
about 10 years now. I think I actually just hit my anniversary. So that makes me uncomfortably old in this industry. But <laughs> I, um, I love weddings and I love documenting real experiences and emotions. So that's, um, I think, what drew me to wedding photography initially. I used to work in the corporate realm. I was a graphic designer and brand strategist. And while I loved the work itself, I didn't love the the corporate environment and the bureaucracy and the schmoozy, phony stuff. And I think that's part of what's so alluring about weddings is that they, they're such a tangible and real experience. Totally. You get to experiment um, with so many different kinds of photography. When you're shooting a wedding, it's not just one kind of thing. You need experience in traditional classic portraiture. You need experience in shooting details and decor. You need to be approaching things with an editorial eye, but you need to have a photojournalism candid capabilities. And so there's just this big, great variety of styles of photography, as well as, you know, your own style and your own spin and techniques. So I just, I think you get a lot out of the wedding experience. If you, if you're looking for variety and challenges in a good way, I think weddings can offer that. Oh, totally. And how many weddings have you, do you have under your belt at this point? (laughs) You know, I haven't actually counted it, but I would, I would assume it's probably around the 300 mark. If I had to stop and count up, I think I've done around 300 weddings. When I first started out, I was doing second shooting. I was doing third shooting and then second shooting and then my own weddings. And so I did a lot of weddings as a, as an assistant or second shooter um, early on in my experience. So that adds up kind of fast. <laughs> yeah, no. And I think with our combined 20 years of experience, um, hopefully we'll have some interesting things to help new wedding photographers with today. Real quick, before we jump into gear, where can people find you on the internet? Oh, right. That's a great point. Um, yeah, my company is called Let's Frolic Together. And uh, conveniently, you can find me at letsfrolictogether.com or at Let's Frolic Together on Instagram or Facebook. So that's pretty much straightforward as long as you are able to spell frolic. It's right. F-R-O-L-I-C. <laughs> a few people seem to run into some trickiness around that one. So yeah, let's frolic together coming in hot. Awesome. Cool. Well, this will be exciting. So today is part one of a three-part series that you and I are going to do. And we're going to talk about gear. So this is Again, meant for folks that are just getting into wedding photography, or maybe you've done a few couple couple years and done a handful of weddings, or, or you started out second shooting for people. But yeah, let's cover sort of the basics of the gear that you absolutely, you know, I mean, we all have like a fun tilt shift that we throw in our bag or whatever, and we can talk about that. But let's start with gear that is like a must, must, must for any wedding photographer. Well, first things first, I would want to clarify that while I do think there are some quote unquote, essential basics. It really isn't an absolute thing. And I think a lot of photographers who are starting out feel like there's a lot of pressure to get it right. And that there's one right way to do things. And they get really nervous about if they're choosing the correct gear, and if if they're making mistakes in the choices they're making, and if it's good enough. And I think it's really important to remember that there's a lot of different ways to approach wedding photography. My way is just one of those ways. I think I have some experience in this matter. So I think it's a way worth considering. But 
I do really feel like it's not going to be a match to everybody. It's important to be true to your style, your gut and your approach and be flexible and take everything I say with a grain of salt. <laughs> I'm really glad that you brought that up because you and I both shoot Canon and we both probably have some similar lenses and, and cameras in our in our bag. But I think it's really important for anyone listening that, you know, whatever, if you're going with Sony, if you're going with Nikon, if you love zoom lenses instead of prime, like all that kind of stuff is certainly personal. And we can talk a little bit about how to develop your camera bag. But um, let's just start. What have you got, Jasmine, in your camera bag right now? Well, I think as a baseline, I should clarify that I shoot weddings double cameraed. Not everybody does. And you certainly don't have to. I find it really works for me. And so I come to every wedding with two camera bodies that are active, meaning I'm using them both at the same time. And then I also have backup bodies in case of emergency. Today, and Natalie, I have to tell you, I'm going to talk a lot about backup things. Backups are the most important part of the gear discussion. And I think for anyone starting out, Keeping backups as a primary concern in your mind is a good idea. Even if your gear list is somewhat small, backups are important to avoiding crises of any kind. I'm so glad that you brought that up because I short little tangent, I just ordered another Canon Mark II off of eBay for literally like 300 bucks. Um, it had maybe... 7,000 actuations, just someone that hadn't really shot it, but was selling it. And my other backup just, I cracked it against something and the body just sort of cracked open on the top and it still works, but yikes! yeah, it still works. But speaking to that, you know, it doesn't cost necessarily a ton of money to have a backup, but it could cost you a lot more in reputation and in stress and anxiety and disappointment for your clients. If you, if your camera craps the bed in the middle of a wedding. So thank exactly. you for bringing that up. But okay. So you're shooting double bodied. I also shoot double bodied. I think sometimes when you're shooting prime, um, you know, it's nice. I like to have like a, a long and wide lens so I can. Exactly. Kind of, yeah. yeah. That's exactly why I do it as well. I think for people who love zoom lenses, they may not feel the need to do the double body setup because they, with a zoom lens, you have a lot of flexibility with that lens alone. You can cover a pretty broad range of focal lengths within whatever your zoom is covering. In my case, I just personally feel that the quality of primes is just so much better than most zooms. And, I, and as a result, it's worth it for me to cover two different focal lengths with primes instead of a single one with a zoom. So that's why I choose to shoot double camera personally, because I am such a preparer and I <laughs> am such a believer in backups as a major force in my success. I am also enhanced this, the double camera shooting is enhanced by the idea that in a worst case scenario, I always have a second camera on my person ready to go, not just packed in my bag. If something should happen to one of my cameras, don't worry. The other's hanging on my other shoulder and ready to rock and roll. I've had that happen. I've had it happen. I had a mirror go uh, on one of my cameras at a wedding. And I mean, it was not a convenient time to run to my other camera bag that was sitting in the other room and get my backup, you know? So there's, there's a few different things. And I think we're speaking to a, a very, um, you know, unique sort of genre in the sense that um, on, it's sort of similar to like maybe a sporting event, like you can't ask people to stop and wait for you. So, you know, being prepared at a wedding is, is even if you were at a family shoot or a lifestyle shoot, you'd, you'd have a second to be like, hang on a second. But um, okay, let's talk about lenses really quick. What do you have uh, kind of as your go-tos when you shoot a wedding? 
So on each body, I'm shooting 3585. That's sort of my default and probably covers somewhere in the range of 80 to 90% of my day. I'm, I haven't done the actual ratio math here, but I, <laughs> I think it's a big majority. I'm shooting 3585. That covers a comfortable wide, and I'm, I'm a 35 lens lover, as well as a middle of the ground long. The 85 still gives me some wiggle room. So I'm shooting long-ish, but not that long. And so 3585 is my go-to. But I do have a kind of large range of other lenses at the ready. I don't think of myself as a gearhead, but I do feel that the longer you're in this business, the more you're likely to have acquired a collection. And the more you realize what is particularly useful in maybe specific circumstances. And so while 3585 is is my sort of default standard, and I could and have shot a wedding on just those two, in my bag, I also have a 1635 for like ultra wide scenarios. For example, a really crowded dance floor, a really awkward family grouping situation where I don't have enough room to shoot on my 35 or my 50. In that case, I can be squeezed into this small space and still get really wide for this family photo. Then I have um, 45 tilt shift that I play with sometimes. It's a for fun lens. I have a 50 that's, I treat more as a backup lens. I very rarely use it, but it's an in-case lens. It's a, if something happened to my 35 or 85, a 50 would be an okay go-to. I have a 100 that's more or less used just as a macro lens. I shoot jewelry with it, details. I shoot, um, tiny little circumstances. Sometimes my seconds don't have the right focal length and I have this gear in my bag that they can go to. So I have a 100 available there. And then I have a 135 that generally speaking, I shoot mostly just for ceremonies. Occasionally it's for speeches as well. It's for any like more long range scenarios. Totally. And we've talked about this before, going beyond the 135, at least in Canon's arsenal is uh, getting really heavy. And so not to say that it's not awesome to go longer than that because I've had seconds that lug that thing around and capture beautiful moments. But if you are looking to experiment with prime stuff, you know, and and carry around all this stuff, it it's sometimes a little bit easier to not go so, so long because those, those lenses get real heavy real fast. So, I mean, I love it when my seconds have a 7200 because that really <laughs> balances our collective focal range out. Yes. A lot of my seconds honestly shoot with um, a 50 as their default, which is great because that complements my existing range of lenses. A lot of them shoot with a 7200 as well for things like ceremonies. And that works super well for me because I'm not covering quite as long most of the time. There are a few wedding circumstances in which I will rent a 7200 because it's the kind of space where I just will not be able to get very close. So it calls for it, but it's pretty rare that I feel that I need it. Yeah, no. And that's a great for folks listening that are maybe just starting out second shooting. Remember to, you know, connect with your lead photographer and sort of talk about what what's coming to the wedding, because you may be able to really round out what they don't have um, with something you you can rent or something you already have in your bag. So thank you for that. So let's let's talk, let's jump into a different zone here. And I guess I want to talk a little bit about um, what I'm shooting with, because you mentioned that you don't use your 50. And what's interesting about my collection is it's super similar to yours, 30, 50. I, I do 135. I have that 45 tilt shift. And then I have a wider one. Sometimes it's a 28. It's an old little 28 that I bring. I used to have 
the 24. I feel like as long as you're in this sort of somewhat wider zone, you've got your bases covered. Totally. And I, I find that too, that like some of the, the more extreme focal lengths, like you don't, you don't use as much, but I shoot really a lot of 50, 135. That's usually what I carry. So again, a final note on lenses, you know, experiment with it. If, if you're comfortable shooting zoom because the, you know, you're just starting out and weddings are already a lot to keep track of. And you're trying to make sure you get your shot list. Like that's what you're comfortable doing. There's no right or wrong. So there's definitely no right or wrong. And people who shoot single bodied cameras um, tend to be very fast, quick changers. Like my, my second shooters who are single cameras, camera shooters they'll they have this like western cowboys like young guns <laughs> swapping out real fast they have a really great experience at being able to swap fast so if you're one of those people if you're able to just like do a super quick change and not miss a moment hey then <laughs> power to you maybe single camera just works best for you totally but i think the most important thing is to make sure that you have your focal ranges covered sufficiently so that you're not in a scenario where you're like, oh no, I can't get closer. How am I, what, how, how am I going to handle this? Or you're not like, oh no, I'm too close. Oh, I can't get wide enough. That's right. That's right. No, those are great points. And I think, I think it just takes a little experience and practice to sort of know where you feel comfortable, but thank you for sharing that. And I want to get into, um, before we run out of time on, on gear today, I want to get into just a couple things. So let's start with cards. People talk about gear a lot. Gear is a big deal that people spend a lot of time thinking about lenses. But to me, sometimes it's the tiny things that have the biggest impact. So I, for one thing, my camera bodies, I always shoot dual slot. I am uh, hardcore about dual slot cameras because you are shooting on two cards, meaning you are backing up onto a second card at the same time that you are writing to your first card. Do you write uh, in RAW to your backup card or JPEG? I write in RAW to my backups. I know a lot of people who write in JPEG to their backups because they it's it saves space and it's faster. But to me, in a worst case scenario, I, like I said, I'm kind of a doomsday prepper for wedding. <laughs> so in a worst case scenario, I want to be able to have the full raw high quality images and not have to settle for just the JPEGs that I'm struggling to edit as I want them to be. So yeah, I shoot full raw to my second card. And as a result, I shoot high size cards. 64 gigabyte is my sort of default. Um, I think that's plenty to cover most weddings, unless I'm shooting like a 16 hour day, like I won't fill a 64 gigabyte card, even on full raw. I guess backing up from a Canon perspective in their lineup, when they went from the Mark II to the Mark III, the Mark III started the dual slot thing. Mark IIs only have the one compact flash slot. We're, you and I are both shooting Mark IVs, I think right now. I'm actually on Mark III still. You're on Mark IIs. Okay. So dual slots with that. I, as I just mentioned, my backup that I bought for a few hundred bucks is a Mark II. When I shoot a single slot camera, I, I've always shot 16 or eights. And the reason for that is I always worried about if a card corrupted and I had 64 gigabytes worth of info on it. Because you would be so traumatized by how much data you would lose. Yeah, of course. And that's how I used to shoot. I used to shoot small. Eventually, like I sort of crawled my way up to 32s. And then I had a lot of anxiety about that back in the days of shooting with Mark IIs. So I think it is wise if you're shooting 
single card slots, it's wise to change out your cards frequently with smaller sizes. But even then, a worst case scenario, you would still be losing something. Even if it was a small card, there's a lot you can fit on a small card. So I think it's pretty important to prioritize. I know not everybody can afford to upgrade to like a really expensive new camera body, but I think it should be on the top of priority lists for dual slot cameras, for weddings specifically. You know, for a session in a worst case scenario, you could reshoot. But for a wedding, a one day only event, the trauma to your client, if a loss was to occur, it's just, it, it's, it's priceless, really, what you're creating for them and protecting that's important. I really agree with you there. And I think that um, a very quick budget-friendly workaround that I worked with for my first couple of years is just renting. So if, you, if you're if you going to want to go into a wedding with at least two cameras and one of them is your own, that's a single slot, spend some of that money that you're getting paid to shoot the wedding and go spend, a, you know, 150, 200 bucks and rent rent a dual slot camera for, for the wedding, especially if you're shooting lead. If you're shooting second, you may not feel that pressure. You know, it might be okay, but your first lead, um, I agree with being prepared. So as a lead photographer that hires seconds regularly, to me, one of my highest priorities is to ensure my seconds also have dual slot cameras. So if you are somebody who wants to second shoot a bunch, that's another reason why it might be worth prioritizing if your lead photographers might only hire people who also have the security of dual slots. That's a really great point. And it also makes logistics a lot easier. You can give your second, maybe one of your cards and they can put one of their cards in the other slot. So everyone walks away with, with all of their photos at the end of the day. And it's so much easier at the end of the night, you know, back in the day with singles card slots, I would either be as a second photographer, I would be sitting around waiting for like hours while people backed up my card to their computer, or I would have to go to their house like later in the week to drop off my car or like the whole thing was so messy. It was such a messy, complicated situation. At the end of the day, me and my second shooter wave at each other. Bye. And that's it because they hand me back the card and it's simple. Totally. No, that's all great. And I'm glad that we brought that up because um, people don't talk about cards enough. There's something that I I think I'm going to do for this episode, since we have so much good stuff, is I am going to wrap it up here for right now. And we'll do a part two on gear. And we're going to talk about lights, because that is something that people are afraid of. It's something that a lot of natural light photographers are a little freaked out about. And especially at weddings, it's an important thing to be trained in. And I want to make sure we get a full 10 minutes on lights. So thank you, Jasmine, for diving into this with me. And I'm, I'm glad we went over because it it's all really, really good stuff. It's been fun to talk about gear. And I'm excited we get to keep talking about gear. <laughs> I decided to cut this into two parts halfway through the interview. I think it's a better way to do it so that you can listen to what Jasmine and I have to say about lighting and we're not rushing through things. All of this was really good stuff and I want to keep it in here. If you are interested in just a quick little checklist summarizing what is in my camera bag, you can go to jennings.photo forward slash my bag. That's jennings.photo forward slash my bag. It's a checklist covering most of what we talked about here on the show. And if it's something that you want to keep handy to look at as you build your own kit, that might be helpful for you. So jennings.photo forward slash my bag. Tune in on Thursday. I'm here Tuesdays and Thursdays publishing new episodes. And on Thursday, I'm going to do part two of this three-part series with Jasmine of Let's Frolic Together. You can find her again at Let's Frolic Together on Instagram and Facebook and letsfrolictogether.com. I will be back on Thursday.
Thank you for listening again. This was a replay. Head over to photobizhelp.com for links to all the stuff, or you can go to Instagram at photobizhelp and check out the link in the bio. I'll be back soon. A quick reminder, if you are still interested in growing your email list or starting one, head to photobizhelp.com forward slash list. Join the Grow Your List mini course for $22 in 2022 and get organized. That's photobizhelp.com forward slash list. I hope you have a beautiful day. Remember, in everything you want to achieve, consistency is key.